0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Our collect for purity gets it completely right when it begins and ends with the heart. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, and then turns the corner, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. It's all about the heart. In today's passage, we learn three things about the heart. Hearts cut, hearts burning, and hearts loving. First, hearts cut from Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 37. This Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Many find it uncomfortable when, during Holy Week, we read the passion narrative, and as a congregation, we cry out, crucify him, crucify him. Those are hard words to say, aren't they? For my part, it's maybe even more difficult to sing, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to a tree? Were you there when they laid him in a tomb? Well, sometimes it does cause me to tremble because my question is always, who is this they? The they is I. It was I who crucified my Lord. It was I who nailed him to a tree. It was I who laid him in a tomb. More satisfying is when we sing, Ah, holy Jesus, how hast thou offended that we to judge thee have in hate pretended by foes derided by thine own rejected, O most afflicted. Who was the guilty? Who brought this upon thee? Alas, my treason, Jesus, Hath undone thee. Twas I, Lord Jesus. I, it was, denied thee. I crucified thee. I crucified him. It's my sins that put him there. I crucified him. And where do we begin? By spending habits that shout, I am the center of my universe. I nailed him to a tree by, well, I don't know, I remember one day shaming my kid because I didn't think he was trying hard enough on, in front of stands full of little league parents that, and that made me look bad. I nailed him to a tree. I laid him in a tomb. Well, how about you fill in the blank for you? The good news is, the story doesn't end with him nailed to a tree and laid in a tomb. The cross and the tomb could not hold him. The story, therefore, doesn't end with us, with hearts merely cut. Which takes us in the second place to hearts burning. In Luke chapter 24, verse 32, we read about two disciples who confess, were are not our hearts burning within us. Theirs had been broken hearts at the beginning of our passage, but these were hearts that had been able honestly to acknowledge their disappointment and their dismay at the dashing of their hope and their dreams for Israel's redemption and theirs when Jesus was executed. Their hearts, in other words, had been set in the right direction, but what was needed and what was supplied was for Jesus to meet them with healing power for their receptive yet broken hearts. And he tells them at length, it probably took a couple of hours to walk the miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. He told them the whole biblical backstory to that weekend's events, and it probably took longer than 17 minutes. Was it not necessary That the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. Just think about the things that might have been in that sermon. The seed of Adam and Eve who will strike the serpent's head despite suffering a bruised heel. The family who escapes the storm of judgment in an ark built by the one righteous man with a new start signaled by a rainbow. The sparing of Isaac, the beloved son by the substitution of a ram. Joseph, betrayed and left for dead by his brothers, lifted up and empowered to forgive. A snake lifted up on a tree for the healing of people, snake bit by the power of sin. The prostitute Rahab, who is saved by dangling a crimson rope from her window. Annual sacrifices established under Moses, whereby year after year after year after year, God could, in his forbearance, pass over sins until one day, one final sacrifice could cover all sins. The precious blood of a lamb without defect or blemish, says 1 Peter. Bringing peace between heaven and earth. Peace between warring siblings. And peace within the heart of every person at war with themselves. Isaiah's promise of a suffering servant who would bear the iniquities of all, be cut off from the land of the living and stricken for the transgression of the people. Only to see his offspring have his days prolonged and make many righteous. And Jonah, after three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, delivered unto life and the renewal of a call to prophetic ministry. Man, how awesome to be there for that sermon. And so, despite everything, Judas's betrayal, Peter's and mine, and your denial the whimsicality and the vitriol of the crowds the obscene injustice of religious and political authorities the good friday we just honored is good because it's god's friday because it marks the pivot point in the long epic of god's unspeakable love and unstoppable plan And because of God's Good Friday, the song of Holy Saturday's Great Vigil rings out in praise of the God who casts out pride and hatred and brings peace and conquered, joining earth and heaven and God and humankind. What grace in the story on the road to Emmaus and from the mouth of Jesus himself, the very one at the center of the story. And yet... Their ears are kept from really understanding until at table. More grace, more grace than the mere telling of the story is required, and more grace is given at the table. Jesus repeats the fourfold acts of the Eucharist that he had shared with his disciples that last night with them took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And then they see with new eyes. Now, one contemporary commentator says, well, they could see it because now they could see the wounds in his hands. That's not really, but that's not what the text says. The text said it was in the breaking of the bread, And then he's gone. Many people romanticize about, well, if we could see him here now in the flesh. But that's not the way he appears to us. He appears to us and he comes to us. in the story retold and in the bread and the wine in which the story is reenacted. It's this combination of word and table that breaks through the gloom and begins the restoration of hope and the rebuilding of despairing hearts that have been burning and now are set ablaze. So, hearts' cut, hearts burning, and then finally, hearts loving. First Peter, chapter one, verses 22, verse 22. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth so that you have genuine mutual affection, love one another deeply from the heart, heart love. Last week, Ken and Patricia Orlando challenged us to leave the comfort of living on base with all its protections, to go out and tell our story. You can invite you can invite friends who either don't get or struggle with or don't understand at all uh, what the faith is all about to our Cathedral Players presentation of The Zeal of Thy House on May 12th, May 13th. This was Ms. Sayre's first foray into explaining Christian truth in drama, and it opened up a whole new chapter of her life and helped people in England to understand many of them for the first time what the Christian faith is, can still happen today. Just invite friends. Our epistle, our epistle readings in these next weeks are a quick read through 1 Peter, a letter in which he urges us to tell and live the Christian story. German New Testament scholar, scholar Peter Lippert titles his brilliant monograph on this letter. This is my translation from the German Life as testimony, the recruiting power of the Christian way of life. Life as testimony, the recruiting power of the Christian way of life. Whether, Peter would have us know, whether whether it's as citizens, as family members, as people of the workplace, the way we model Christ's humility and obedience, his genuine affection, very simply, loving from the heart. That's one of the most compelling arguments for the faith. It's what began to happen 150 years ago when the Shine and the Epps family started getting together here in Orlando to have a little Bible study. Well, and here we are. And I see that. I see that among you in the way that you care for one another in completely unprogrammed ways. In the way that you come and play chess with the youth of our church, the way that you take communion to shut-ins, the way that you provide meals for Wednesday night fellowship and for people going through hard times. I see it in the way that you volunteer countless hours at Compassion Corner and I Dignity and Christian Service Center. I see it in the way that you generously provide resources for God's work, from cathedral charities to overseas missions to the Oregon Fund. We hope for more opportunities to allow you to love deeply from the heart in coming months um, with Jobs Partnership, working alongside men and women, learning biblical life and work and professional uh, workplace and professional skills, passing out and building more blessing bags alongside new friends at Salvation Army. The simple truth is, the simple truth is, loved people love. And when you know you've been loved with God's everlasting love, your heart can't not respond with love of your own. I, I love being here because there's, there's so much love in the room, out there, up here. And when you're loved, you love, beginning with his love. There's no real program or schedule for that. There's no master template. There's just this. I gotta do this. So really, friends, really, it's all about the heart. May we continually be cut to the heart by our need of God's mercy and grace. May we continually have our hearts set aflame by the amazing combination of God's story and God's sacraments. And may we continually be learning to love deeply from the heart. And now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or even think, to him be the glory in Christ Jesus and in the church now and forever. Amen.